Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for May 7th, 2017. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Joey Haynes, Youth and Children Coordinator at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, Freedom to Love. Um, before stepping up here, so I really appreciate that. And also, I did not realize that this is Russ's favorite um, scripture, so no added pressure. But it probably should be known that I have not had my preaching and worship class yet at seminary. So depending on how well that goes, you'll know why. But fortunately, I have a couple of classmates here today, so I'm hoping if I do well, they'll send back good grades. Maybe I won't have to take the class. We'll see. So as a child, I remember those long Sunday night worship services in my small Pentecostal church in rural West Virginia. We would begin with a couple of songs, pray, read scripture, and then came the sermon. All of this, of course, was without any sort of bulletin. And following the sermon, there would be a time for more corporate prayer, healings over the sick, altar calls, music which allowed the spirit to continue moving even after the vivacious and fiery sermon. Although I only have a few fading memories of going to the front for prayer, I distinctly remember stepping forward to receive prayer on behalf of my brother. He was older, and he was going through some turbulent times in his teenage years. Standing there at the altar, I remember the smell of the anointing oil rubbed on my forehead by my pastor. I remember the feel of hands resting along my shoulders and down my back by the other members of the congregation. I remember the music continuing to fill the sanctuary and my grandmother's voice still rings in my ear as she led this small worship team while playing the guitar. My pastor led the prayer aloud and other voices joined in. These couple of minutes felt like eternity. It was such a remarkable experience and a filled with sensory overload, with the smells and the sounds and the touch. The prayers began in English, but would quickly change to an indecipherable language. As this was common on Sundays, the familiarity of speaking in tongues made the experience much more powerful to me. Although I found myself lost in this moment, I became more aware of the fact that I was not able to speak in this foreign tongue as many in my congregation. Why couldn't I? This question stayed with me throughout my childhood. And witnessing a congregation lost in the spirit with singing, shouting, dancing to the point of passing out, I was never personally moved in such a way. I felt as if somehow I I was on the outside always trying my best to make it in. These traditions from my Pentecostal roots are beautiful. 
The foundation of my identity has been built on experiencing God in ways that many do not understand. I grew up part of a church family that showed unwavering support and love. That is something for which I am truly grateful. However, as I reminisce on those times, I do not distinctly recall any memories of experiencing the divine outside of those church walls. Of course, now, if I think back, I can probably share stories where I believe that an indescribable spirit gave me strength, uplifted me, comforted me, or simply resided in my presence. But at the time, I understood God to be fully experienced within the church, and the way to salvation rested through the doors of that building, which would bring me abundant life in the heavenly kingdom after death. The lectionary this week provided a lot to unpack, and it's a very short amount of time, I've realized. I found it difficult during this process of exegesis to try to find my focus, and for those of you unfamiliar with exegesis, it's uh, taking a more analytical look at scripture, and also exegesis has nothing to do with Jesus. Um, It took me about probably four months of Bible class hearing this word, being, oh wait, he's not saying Jesus. I would expand the text which helped me more clearly understand Jesus' message, but my outline became longer and longer and just too much for a 20-minute sermon. And seriously, y'all, this whole bringing God's holy word is a little more difficult than I actually had imagined. Since I know that most of you would enjoy to have some free time this Sunday, I'm trying to focus my attention. And Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Here again these words that I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved. Although I never gained the ability to speak in tongues, I eventually found other ways to become part of this inner circle. And I knew exactly what it meant to be saved through Jesus Christ. Or at least I thought I did. Reading through these verses, it always made sense to me to just end them after reading, whoever enters by me will be saved. My salvation in the afterlife was contingent upon accepting Jesus into my heart. Throughout my teenage years, it was much simpler to only be concerned with my own personal salvation after death. And as I found myself on the inside circle of Jesus' flock, I made a point to make sure that I continue praying for those on the outside. For many Christians, these ideas of being in and out and being saved are understood in very concrete terms. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was having an interesting conversation about this upcoming sermon, and I referenced the scripture and said that I'll be wrestling with salvation and who's in, who's out, And the lady immediately responded with, well, not everyone's going to make it to heaven. 
With that simple mention of salvation, immediately so many of us are drawn to this understanding of death, eternal reward, damnation. For several years now, I've become uneasy with these simple concepts and conclusions drawn from ancient texts written thousands of years ago in a world very different than the one we live. These texts are filled with stories and metaphors, poems, figures of speech, and songs, and I do love a good song. We read beautiful witnesses of testimonies full of joy and sadness and celebration, great struggles and despair. And being in seminary, I wrestle frequently with major biblical concepts, and I've especially enjoyed diving more deeply into this idea of salvation. My understanding has developed from a belief neatly placed within the walls of the church, only to be given to those who enter in and remain here. This idea of being saved goes beyond a doctrine that binds us, decided by priests or pastors in robes. But salvation spoken by Jesus is a message of liberation, of freedom, not to be given or earned, but to be lived. As Christians, we are often conditioned to understand these words and meanings in concrete ways. And traditionally, our idea of being saved is, well, when we die, if we're saved, we go to heaven. And as we engage with Scripture and put these words into boxes, we lose the ability to develop and broaden and reimagine these beautiful messages from the Bible. This text has liberating power that can be interpreted to bring out a transformational message to all those who hear. In understanding this text, it can be helpful to look at the word sozo. This is the word that's used for being saved. From the root sos, meaning safe or well, sozo is used 108 times in the New Testament in, in various forms. It can be translated to mean save, rescue, heal, restore, made well, to be made whole. I mean, imagine if we use this, these words to reimagine these concrete understandings of Jesus to make these, this scripture more alive for us today. In this discourse which Jesus is having with this religious community, he provides us a powerful imagery into the mystery of what salvation looks like. Using these words, we're offered the chance to imagine a liberated life to come in and go out and find pasture. Literalists will read this as Jesus standing at a literal gate, being on guard to only those who enter. Once we're in, we're saved. And for, out, and for many throughout history, this is understood to be the institutional structure of the church. As we wrestle with this figure of speech, Jesus is not preaching church doctrine, but liberation. Here and throughout Scripture, he is offering a message of freedom that has seemed to be lost in society during his time. Salvation is liberation from society which often binds its people to injustice and oppression. Salvation is not just a ticket to be handed out. It goes deeper than that. It is a way of living to have the freedom for us to go and be good shepherds to all people. It gives us the freedom to come in and go out, 
to be witnesses of the good news, not to limit the salvific message of Jesus into a strict formula. Gustavo Gutierrez, a Peruvian theologian and the father of liberation theology, writes, Those who reduce the work of salvation are indeed those who limit it to the strictly religious and are not aware of the universality of the process. It is those who, in order to protect salvation or to protect their own interests, lift salvation from the midst of history where men and social classes struggle to liberate themselves from the slavery and oppression to which other men and social classes have subjected them. It is those who refuse to see that the salvation of Christ is a radical liberation from all misery, all despoliation, all alienation. It is those who, by trying to save the work of Christ, will lose it. These are powerful words to provide a different understanding of salvation and what it means to free to be free from the systems of oppression, especially for those of us who are actively participating in these very systems that oppress. We have witnessed the church actively keeping salvation wrapped up in a box and revealed to only those who enter. This message of salvation preached by Jesus has been unfolding throughout human history and not just within the confines of the walls, but out there. And I am the gate, and whoever enters by me will be saved and will, con- and will come in and go out and find pasture. I particularly love this imagery of coming in and going out and finding pasture and Jesus going into these established religious communities, but also out there beyond where the religious elite would exclude so many. He came to bring a message of good news and hope And as Jesus moved throughout society, we too are called into this movement. Challenged to find pasture, not just within our places of comfort, but beyond those places as well. We're challenged to imagine the healing or restorative freedom to live life and live it abundantly. This will lead us to come in and go out and seek this pasture in the world around us. And one of my favorite gospel stories is the one of Zacchaeus. And for me, this imagery speaks so well to the text that we have today. Zacchaeus, being a tax collector, um, he would have been cast out in the margins of the religious community. He was wealthy, a collaborator with the Roman Empire, a sinner. And to top it off, he didn't look like everyone else. And as he climbed the tree to see Jesus over the crowds... Jesus looked up and spoke with immediacy that he will want to see Zacchaeus in his house today. And as they walked away from this inner circle, they began to mumble about Jesus going and hanging out with the sinner. And as they ate a meal together in the home of Zacchaeus, Jesus challenged the tax collector on what it means to do good to others. It was in this moment of realizing his responsibility in society that Zacchaeus experienced salvation. It was in his home that Zacchaeus found the freedom not just for himself, but to also to go out and be good shepherds to all. Jesus didn't manipulate this wealthy tax collector. He didn't stand at a gate and wait for Zacchaeus to come. 
He didn't, or, he didn't order Zacchaeus to hold on to this get into freedom, heaven free card. Jesus simply went into his home to share a meal. And with that, liberation flourished. There are so many stories of Jesus meeting folks on the fringes of society, bringing the message of liberation. And as we interpret these passages, we must be reminded of the liberating message for all people. We must also be reminded by hearing these good words of salvation that it's just not personal. My salvation, my liberation does not affect me, but it is a calling to go out and do good for others. So maybe the question we ask ourselves is less about being saved and more about whether we are living in this freedom as good shepherds for humanity. Maybe we should be challenging ourselves to not remain comfortably in our own inner circles, but to go out and find pasture all around us. As Russ, Russ and I were speaking regarding the sermon this week, and we were wrestling with this idea of freedom and salvation, and he asked, are we free enough to care for others? He said someone at the recent Alliance of Baptists meeting said, freedom was the freedom to not hate. Freedom to welcome all, freedom to love. Let's ask ourselves, are we free enough to welcome and love all people? Are we coming in and going out and finding this kingdom of God in the lush green pastures? Are we welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, taking care of the sick, visiting the imprisoned, welcoming the child, caring for the poor, embracing the immigrant? As kingdom people, are we bringing a liberating message to the least among us and those living in the fringes of society? Another theologian, Howard Snyder, challenges us as people of faith. Kingdom people seek first the kingdom of God and its justice. Church people often put church work above concerns of justice, mercy, and truth. Church people think about how to get people into the church. Kingdom people think about how to get the church into the world. Church people worry that the world might change the church. Kingdom people work to see that the church change the world. In this current season of experiencing the risen Christ in our midst, let us continue to seek out moments of salvation. Signs of life. Let us stop building walls and build bridges. If we can't build bridges, let us go out and wade into the stormy, raging, raging waters of human struggle to truly live as followers of Jesus, bringing a message of healing, restoration, wholeness, and salvation so that all of us may have life and have it abundantly. Maybe so. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, 
and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.